1: And welcome, everyone, and I just appreciate so much your involvement in our show about what it means to be an intentional spirit. As you know, each and every week we... Identify tools rather than rules that can, can help us uh, be practical in everyday life, that can help us rather than just talking about spirituality, but having the means and the ability to actually express that spirituality. Many of you that listen and follow the show are, are clear that for me, spirituality is, is anything that is nature, and anything is na- natural and About two years ago, I got very involved with the dogs in Brazil. I got further involved with animals and um, the events that happen around pets and, and various people that dismiss the great needs that we have for all the pets, um, both domesticated and stray in our society. So it's my pleasure today to talk with someone that's a difference maker, um, someone that is the senior director of the Faith Outreach Program with Humane Society, uh, just a tremendous organization. So please help me welcome uh, Christine uh, Gutleben, and Gutleben, as Christine told me, means good living. Well, thank you, Christine, because you are definitely somebody that understands what it takes to have a good living by by giving and uh, being a difference maker. That's for sure.
2: Oh well, Reverend Hayes, thank you for having me on the show. It's it's a real pleasure. Well, tell us,
1: uh, I always like to have people have an opportunity. Um, Have you been like so many of us and had a dog and a cat in your lap since you were a a young girl? Or is this something that, you know, there were events that uh, created your passion for animals? How did you get involved?
2: Well, you know, thanks for that question. I, you know, I, I enjoy... Uh, reflecting on uh, my journey here uh, you know I, I did have animals growing up and I loved them, uh, but I don't think I was you know too aware or sensitive um, to the issues facing animals um, really until much later i I uh, studied religion in college and uh, theology in graduate school and it was really in graduate school when i I was I was um, so I was searching, I was searching for um, meaning uh, and, and, and understanding, and uh, i I realized that you know the choices that we make um, every day impact the lives of animals, millions of animals every day um, and and for me, um, I became uh, really involved in the in the food issue and in factory farming, and I realized that I could make a choice every day. Um, I could choose to reduce suffering every day uh, by being more intentional with my food choices. And I thought that that would be um, a a practical application or a spiritual discipline for me. It would be a way to exercise my faith in a very real way, um, really by going to the grocery store. Um, So, you know, we all have... um, we make many choices every day that impact the lives of animals. Um, some of the most obvious involve our food choices and There are so many choices in the grocery store now today, uh, for example uh, cage free eggs, um, you know free range pork um, choosing to purchase more uh, plants and more fruits and vegetables than meat, um, all of those provide us with an opportunity to reduce animal suffering. And so that, I, I actually, my, the, the title of my thesis was Intentional Eucharistic food choices, and so i'm thrilled to be on your show today because there is um, a synchronicity there obviously between my journey and um, and and your uh, the subject of your show
1: mm, absolutely, and also um, the whole uh, part of the uh, spiritual practices of the co-founders of the Unity Movement, which is a global movement, uh, which um, there are spiritual centers and communities all over the world of Unity. And though not everyone uh, practices, according to our co-founders, our our co-founders were vegetarian, and um, and this was you know in the late eighteen hundreds and in the early nineteen hundreds where. You know, you were considered very courageous, you know, to take these kind of positions. When you look at, they were Midwesterners as well. You know, so they were in cow country and you know, all that um, in Kansas City, Missouri. And they were very adamant they had a cafe that was, um, if not all at the time, uh, you know, mostly vegetarian. And so, um, I think that, you know, with what with what you're, um, you know, alluding to is that um, there, and I think that was one of the reasons you and I were so passionate about doing this show, is there are simple things that people can do. And that's one of the issues that I find, you know, being a a spiritual activist about change, about being a difference maker in the world um, instead of sitting on the sidelines. Um, Christine, I'm sure you find this to be true as well, is that, You know, a lot of people, they keep waiting to get involved with the big thing, you know, and instead of doing something um, simple. So let me um, reference an example of that. Um, Somebody was telling me that here in the the heart of St. Petersburg, there is a man that owns a bicycle shop. And what he does is he goes to the Humane Society and he gets a dog. And he only gets one at a time. And people come in his store to buy a bicycle, and he gets that dog to be adopted. (laughs) And then he goes and gets another one. Now, is that like, I went, that is like one of the most profound ideas that I've ever heard. It's simple, it's doable, and it's one thing that one man can do to find over a year a lot of homes for animals.
2: Don't you love that? i I do I love it, and you know there are so many simple things that people can do uh, to to help animals every day and the story that you share it it's it's a great example because that man um, he used what was in his power right to to do that was already what he was he was doing that was part of his uh, career, and he just incorporated helping animals into it. And you know that is um, what I find so inspiring about um, helping animals uh, is that we can all do something. We can all do something, um, and I mentioned the the food issue um, as one example. And, you know, we can certainly uh, discuss more in terms of, you know, the, the choices people can make to reduce animal suffering on factory farms. But, of course, there are so many other opportunities. Um, for Companion animals, for example, our pets, they, you know, there are so many issues um, involved with, Um, you know, reducing, for example, pet overpopulation, um, ensuring that all animals are spayed neutered, um, ensuring that needy families are, have access to pet care, um, and access to pet food so they can keep their pets and they don't wind up in shelters, um, to, you know, avoiding, um, supporting puppy mills, for example. They, uh, those are very much like factory farms. Or dogs. And, you know, we, we see, uh, you know, we all have these, um, I think, preferences when it comes to animals. Um, but, you know, there are a lot of really desirable animals and shelters um, that need homes. And, you know, this is a really interesting statistic. But if approximately 10% of people who purchase animals from pet stores, if they if those people adopted from shelters, we would not have any more animals in shelters. So it's a really solvable problem. Uh, and you know, animals wind up in shelters for all sorts of reasons. Um, you know, not necessarily because they are you know undesirable animals. They wind up in shelters. Uh, you know, because families can't afford to keep them, um, because, you know, for, for a whole host of reasons, and they're wonderful animals that need homes. So, you know, there are so many things we can do. Um, you think about animals, for example, in, in laboratories. We can be more intentional when we purchase products uh, in the store to, you know, check the labels and see if they, if those products have been tested on animals. Um, you know, so there are, of course, you know, fur and fashion as well. We want to, um, you know, prevent – there's all sorts of wonderful alternatives today. Uh, and, you know, we, we faux fur is, um, is hard to tell from real fur. And, uh, you know, if we just make intentional choices avoiding real fur, for example, it's um, it can be tricky sometimes because there's so much fur that lines boots and gloves and hoods of jackets. So just, you know, look at the label and make sure that um, that it's faux fur and an animal didn't have to die to make that, that jacket or those boots. Um, and, you know, and I could go on, but there are so many decisions every day that we can make, um, simple decisions we can make every day to help animals.
1: I, I love that, and I, I think that that's. If I mean, if what we know is that we really need to get started, and um, I believe that was a statement of Buddha. You know, the the big difference between uh, never completing and never finishing. And never changing is, is just never getting started. And with what you're giving, those simple applications of uh, be, a, be aware of what you're purchasing, be aware of what you're getting in the grocery store, um, these are easy times now. Uh, none of this is hard, you know, for you to access things online that, that are, uh, do not take animals' lives to be made, or animals in, in test labs in order to be created. Uh, they're very easy. And I know one of the things that you and I had talked about when we spoke before, and then I do want you to elaborate on your film and you know all these different windows. Um, I'm very confident an hour is going to go by very fast with the two of us today. But the other thing a practical is... Is starting as adults now, in our own generations, uh, teaching the truth to the children. You know, what's very interesting to me is that a child will say, Mommy, I don't want to eat duck. You know, or Daddy, I don't want to eat the fish. But as adults, we start getting this kind of language that makes it easier on our psyche. We say, I don't want to eat the filet. I don't want to eat the wing, Um, but we're not calling it what it really is. But children do. They kind of do that innately. I don't want to eat the cow. Please don't make me eat the cow. Not I don't want to eat a tenderloin, you know, that kind of thing. And the other part of it is the uh, if we could just tell the truth. Um, Because, you know, one of the things that people think is because they go and they drop a dog at a cage in some of the shelters – and i'm not necessarily applying that to the humane society because i do know that they are uh, greatly recognized as doing their best not to take the lives of animals but there are many of these places where people are so aware unaware that they they kill the animals with just a few, within a, a few days and that's where we're missing out on telling ourselves the truth because we say things like, well, they'll probably put the animal to sleep. Sleep means you wake up, you know. <laughs> Killing means you're dead. I mean, it's, it's not that we put them to sleep. It's that we really take their lives from them. And we... um are not where we are because we have been so responsible about the income, uh, the outcome of that and and what we can do to, to change that. So if we could start using the language that's real, um, I think that that would help change things uh, a great deal as well. What do you think? You're more the expert in this field than I am. I'm just somebody that obviously is so passionate about it. Well,
2: no, Reverend Hayes, that's a... Um a really smart observation, and it's true. I mean, we all have all sorts of phrases and ways of avoiding um, thinking about the reality of, um, you know, the, really the animal violence that we support. Um, and, you know, before I, I get into that, I want to comment on something you said earlier about children. Uh, you know, it's true. I mean, I think children have a natural connection and a bond with animals. Um, you know, I, I just had um, – actually, my, my son is going to be a year old, and uh, I'm a new mom, and I've been so taken with the amount of um, children's toys and books and the focus on animals. It's, uh, it's striking. And, you know, I think it's, it's true that the children we, – that we all grow up with, I think, a natural uh, affinity – Towards animals, and you know, I think it's up to us as adults to cultivate that, to cultivate that compassion. And in in terms of you know sparing ourselves, I think the grief um, and really the sight of um, some of the I think the the animal cruelty that goes on um, is is is. I think, a a problem certainly, and it's our Mm -hmm. responsibility Mm -hmm. to become more informed and more aware. I'll give you an example right now of what's going on um, all across the country, um, in in different states, there are um, what, what are called ag-gag laws that are coming up. And over the uh, – certainly in the last decade, um, we have seen a rise in investigative footage in factory farms. And, you know, that footage has been crucial for animal advocates to, um, you know, Push forward modest reforms on the farms. And what's happening now all across the country, or um, in legislatures, there's an attempt to uh, make it illegal to uh, obtain undercover footage on farms. And that would really handicap um, our ability and advocates' ability across the country to be able to push forward reforms on these factory farms. And so when you think about it, they're going so far to prevent the public and to prevent us from seeing the reality of what's really going on. And But I believe that if if people really saw what was going on, I mean, we don't like to see animals Suffer. I think it's it's natural for us to wince when we see them suffer. Um, and like I said, I think we grow up as children with a natural affinity towards animals. And so, um, you know, we do we spare ourselves the sight. And you know, these the these um, factory farms they know they know that people would not tolerate the way that these animals are being treated if they could see what was going on. Um, so I think being honest about what's going on, um, using you know more accurate terms, I think that's all, uh, you know, part of a process of reducing animal suffering.
1: And, uh, Christine, where can we access the um, – is this stuff on your website, uh, on the Humane Society of the United States, humanesociety.org, that people could find out how to vote or where to go to vote, or is there a name of the proposition or whatever?
2: Yes, well, these are taking place um, right now at the state level, and there are all sorts of information on our website, humanesociety.org.
1: Okay, wonderful. So I would urge every one of you that are listening, because if you're listening to my show, then you love animals, and you are about that. So please not only you know do it yourself, but pass this show on to others so we can uh, start being part of a change that, that we long to see, because it can just begin um, right here and right now. Uh, if you're just coming on the air, I'm talking with Christine uh, Gutleben. levin She is an incredible person dedicated to animals and animal rights. She is the senior director and in charge of faith outreach for the Humane Society of the United States. We will be right back short uh, following this short break. Music.
3: Are you ready for deeper spiritual breakthroughs? Have you wondered how to apply spiritual principles to your everyday life in practical ways? Do you feel your soul is calling you to deeper purposes?
0: Thank you for listening to The Intentional Spirit, Seeing and Being with Rev. Temple Hayes. If you have a question or comment about today's discussion, you can email us at theintentionalspirit@unityonlineradio.org. at unityonlineradio.org. Now, here is your host, Rev. Temple Hayes.
1: So welcome back everyone and thank you again for being an intentional spirit and thank you for caring what happens to the animals of the world and, and all the animals that are on, on farms and, uh, and we just continue to see a consciousness that is growing and evolving so much that, that people across the board are starting to get, uh, that there is no reason for life to suffer, that there is truly a way that we can can coexist. I'm talking today with Christine Gutleben. And Christine is dedicated to the work of, uh, the, the way that animals are farmed. Um, she is dedicated to faith outreach on behalf of the Humane Society of the United States. And Christine, uh, talk to us about the, the beautiful film that you co produce, uh, Eating Mercifully.
2: Yeah. Well, thanks for that opportunity to talk about the film. It's um, it's been such a a critical tool for us. Um, I I started working with the Humane Society of the United States back in two thousand and seven, and we created the film in in shortly after that, two thousand and eight, uh, and it has been um it it has been an incredible resource for us. We have screened it across the country at. Uh, thousands of churches and um, and uh, seminaries and colleges and universities. <clears throat> and it's a 26-minute film. You can order it free online at humanesociety.org slash faith. And it looks at Christian perspectives on factory farming. And, you know, it interviews an evangelical pastor and a nun. Uh, and it's, you know, a really wonderful way to you know, I think look at a, 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 an issue in community. So we encourage church, um, you know, Bible studies, for example, to screen the film. It's 26 minutes, which gives you another 30 minutes if you've got an hour-long uh, meeting to do a Q&A. And we've got, um, you know, suggested questions and discussion questions for the group. Uh, and, you know, we... We promote the three R's at the Humane Society of the United States. That's reduce, refine, and replace. So after watching a film like that and considering, you know, how over 95% of the animals in this country are raised for food, um, which is essentially in what we call um, intensive confinement systems, um, where the pregnant pigs or egg-laying hens um, have very little, mo- uh, very little ability to move at all, they're, they're prevented from engaging in sort of the most basic movements. They're in cages and crates barely larger than their bodies. Uh, pregnant pigs, for example, um, cannot turn around for the majority of their life. They're taken out of a gestation crate, which is about you know a foot, they can move about a foot forward and a foot uh, backwards, and that's it. And they, they live in that crate um, nearly their entire pregnancy and then they're taken out shortly into, and put into a farrowing crate where they can nurse their piglets, but they're they're not able to um, interact with their piglets in any way because the farrowing crate is also, um, it confines them. And then they're put back into a gestation crate and that's their life. They never see outside, they never, um, they, they really never um, are able to even, you know, walk freely, um, they're fed by machines um, and it, it's... Similar situation for egg-laying hens, and uh, and also, um, you know, we look at. now, veal crates, actually, the, the good news is that consumers have got the message on on that cruel practice. And so, thankfully, um, the industry is moving away from uh, the practice where they would tether the baby calf at their at the neck and then um, confine the calf in a tiny crate uh, and slaughter the calf very at a very young age. So, thankfully, um, we're moving away from that. We're still not entirely moved away from that, Um but you know we're going in the right direction, and we hope that gestation crates and battery cages for hens also go in that same direction. And so this film allows a community to look at those issues um, through the lens of faith, and then discern perhaps a way forward in community and also as individuals. So um, I mentioned the three R's, and you know everybody can participate in uh, in the three R's approach, which is uh, choosing to reduce. So, for example, uh, participating in in Meatless Monday or one day a week when, um, you know, one day a week when the family goes vegetarian or uh, refinement. So, for example, um, selecting cage-free eggs. Um, go, buying eggs at the farmer's market, um, and then replacement is, you know, for those that are ready to replace um, meat, dairy, and eggs with plant-based food. So everybody can participate on that spectrum, and I think it's a great opportunity to discuss, um, you know, those options uh, among church communities, because as a community, they can also, um, you know, make choices, for example, when there's potlucks and Food is always served at church. Um, you know, fellowship hour can include some product that, um, you know, is an attempt to uh, combat the system of factory farming. So you uh, could serve soy milk, for example, with the coffee or, as I said, cage-free eggs um, in, in a casserole during fellowship hour. I and mean, there's so many opportunities. Uh, you know, a vegan scones i mean there's so many choices and we have so many suggestions online as well but that can be really a fun way to engage the larger church community uh in these issues and you know food brings us together food is a really powerful um tool to bring people together and so we ought to be intentional about its source
1: absolutely our um we have a cafe six days a week here at our campus and um there are very few items that are uh, meat-based. Uh, most of them are are vegetarian, and and people love it. You know, they it, and I. Well, the thing I know is is that I I was I was raised in the South. Um, we had a dairy farm. Um, we had a lot of cattle, and we had our own beef and stuff. And it it never really interests me that much. But you know. Back then, you did what everybody said you're supposed to do. Um, And, you know, we didn't have the kind of languaging that we have now and have as many easy products in order to be a a vegetarian. But having been in that space, what I have noticed in my life is that as you change, the vibration of your life changes. And if you want to be a high-energy person and you want to have an incredible you know, um, just, uh, motivated energy about you. Uh, it really does require you to let go of a lot of ways that we ate when we were children with the beef and the potatoes and, you know, all that. And, um, I would, I can't imagine ever going back, you know, to eating any kind of fish or chicken or anything like that. It just, it just doesn't resonate with me at all. But I think one of the other things, um, Christine, that I find that people kind of pretend isn't real is, you know, you can even hear people say in the workplace, oh, I don't really like being around so-and-so. They're so negative. It kind of brings me down, you know, that kind of thing. And what surprises me is how many people either aren't aware or they haven't become educated of, of understanding that when you, when you eat a lot of these animals, you're taking on the energy of what they've had to go through in their lives. And why in the world would you want that in your bodies? I don't want that in mine. Um, and it isn't pretty. And it doesn't mean that it isn't happening just because we don't talk about it. It still means that it's happening. So I think that's a, a key element. Also, is people that are spiritually based, is to understand that. That that's the energy, the the energy of anger, the energy of violence um, that goes into your being. Um, and to add to what you were saying of avoiding, um, you know, meat on Monday or picking a day that you just do without or whatever, it's it's also great to, you know, not waste um, and not support organizations that waste animal products Um I went to a a great thing one time about these Arabian Nights, and it was this great show, and they had all these Cornish hens, and uh, people were drinking, and you know they were all in this celebratory mood, and I bet of the well, seven hundred people that were there, or if not more, I must have seen. I can't tell you the the two or 300 of cornish hens that were not eaten that were thrown in the trash. Yeah. It's, it's ridiculous, you know, and I went, well, I won't ever spend my money there again. (laughs) I just won't do it. Um, so there are a lot of things that, that we can do. Well, I'm, um, Looking forward to sharing this film with our community as well because it sounds like it's very powerful. It gives insight, and it helps people how to make a few practical changes pretty quickly is what I'm hearing you say.
2: Yes. That's exactly right. Uh, practical changes quickly is what we're hoping for. And, you know, you're right. If We, uh, we waste 20% of the animals that, um, that are slaughtered in this country. So that is a huge number. We slaughter 9 billion animals a year. Uh, so that is more than a million every hour around the clock, never stopping. So it's a huge number, and uh, we ought to be more intentional about avoiding waste. Um, That would save the lives of billions of animals. Um, And you know, I I do also want to point out that when we choose compassion, when we choose mercy, when we choose you know goodness, when we choose to support farmers that are doing the right thing. you know, when we choose uh, to reduce suffering, um, that we are um, living the life that um, you know God intended for us. That is um, that is our responsibility, really. And so, I, I have found. You know, you asked me in the beginning what brought me here, um, but you know, I have found that to be um, so spiritually rewarding to be able to exercise my faith in a very real way three times a day and know that I am choosing—I am um, choosing the right thing.
1: Oh, there's no doubt about it, um, and I. I can't... I can't imagine how rewarding you know, your, your work is because I know with just the, the uh, simple efforts that, that I have made toward animal placement or towards bringing a crate of dogs from Brazil along with my friend Carol Grundle, and um, I've already got a, a publisher that's looking at that that could be another book about the animals, and it's just, it's not that you do it because you're going out and looking for something. You do it because it's just the, it's the right thing to do. Well, one of the other programs that you were talking about was um, a it's a, it's a project that you have. You have two or three projects that you're really focusing on, eating mercifully is one of those, and we've urged individuals to go to org and to get the, um, the, the film of that. Um, what is the project called Fill the Bowl? Tell us about that.
2: Right. So, you know, communities across the country, usually during the holidays, um, host annual f- food and clothing and toy drives. So this is, uh, you know, a, a practice that uh, faith communities are, are you know, used to. And so we in, are encouraging uh, faith communities to incorporate a pet food collection alongside those collections. Um, or, uh, for example, a great time to do it would be during St. Francis Day in, in the fall, you know, around October, when people are blessing the animals, um, set up a bin, and we provide a toolkit uh, that includes a sticker for the bin and posters and bulletin inserts all to encourage people and make them aware of the, the pet food drive. And, you know, the the, the issue is, is pretty simple. So, you know, families in need have pets. You know, we know pets bring joy. To children's lives and to all of our lives, and in many cases, pets provide the sole um, source of companionship for the elderly, and uh, people struggle. And oftentimes, you know, they can be forced with feeding themselves or feeding their pets, and or giving their pets up. And so, we want to keep um, families and pets together. And so, we can, um, if if your church collects pet food, and you know resources for pets, uh, and donates that either to your local shelter, you might want to call them and see what specifically they need, or to your local food bank. Food banks, uh, many food banks across the country, we hear this all the time, uh, really uh, need pet food. So, um, again, you can order that online, it's a free toolkit um, and we, you know, we'd be happy to. Also, we're 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 available to answer any questions you have about setting up a a campaign like that.
1: Well, I've already made a note that when I get into September to order that kit from you, so that we can get started on it and aim around the um, Saint Francis time as well. That's that's very powerful and and yeah. definitely easy yeah. to do. Wow, I just love this conversation. (laughs) This is just so so moving um, because if just three or four people get some of these concepts and then take them and go somewhere with it, then um, we're going to be part of of making the difference. I want to thank all of you that continue to support Unity Online Radio and allowing us to be the voice for the awakening world. Um, Many of us say, and I'm sure, Christine, you say this often, that you want to reach beyond the people that you're already reaching. Uh, We want to expand beyond the choir um, because there are, you know, 7 billion people on the planet. And we want to be part of this conscious change of people being awake. So appreciate all of you so much that support uh, not only my show, but all the shows on, on unity online radio. Um, also to encourage you to follow us at unitycampus.org or to go to my website, templehays.org. And you will see where we do a wide range of nonprofit focused things For the animals, um, not only here in St. Petersburg, but in other places as needed. So we'll be right back after this um, short break. And we will come back with Christine talking to us about churches that focus on wildlife and uh, bird sanctuaries and all the different things that we can do with with our properties and with the education of our children. So we'll be right back.
0: What if you could transform your finances and energy level? Go from lack to lots, from low energy to high energy. What if it only took five minutes every day? Would you do it? Shift your patterns by listening to Jane's daily inspiring and life-changing messages. Join her global community online at www.ultimateprosperityplanners.com Prosperity Jane your personal prosperity cheerleader.
1: At the base of all life is the infinite wellspring of Source, and each of us has a unique way of expressing that Source as an individualized soul. Do you enjoy the company of inspiring people who are living on purpose? Do you want to live joyfully attuned to your own unique soul expression? Host Reverend Kristen Powell welcomes you to join the gathering of souls who live this way. You'll meet artists, naturalists, and other soulful expressions that will inspire you to call forth the most alive, passionate version of yourself. Get into the natural stream of your own soul by tuning into Soul Stream live every Wednesday at noon Central Time on Unity Online Radio, the voice of an awakening world.
0: River she- We now return to The Intentional Spirit, Seeing and Being with your host, Reverend Temple Hayes.
1: And welcome back, everyone, and thank you so much for being part of our show today. We are featuring the Humane Society, uh, the broader Humane Society located in the heart of of Washington, D.C., and I am talking to Christine uh, Gutleben. that is the Senior Director of faith outreach, uh, just uh, so many different incredible projects that that you can do out in the field, and even if you may not currently be a leader of a spiritual community or a church, um, you know people that do and that are so. Please bring uh, these awarenesses to their attention. It's very simple for them to follow, to go to the website, to look up Christine, uh, to see the various things that are available. We've talked to you today about eating mercifully, of getting the film, of different things you can do to reduce, refine, and replace looking at just changes here and there, um, how to have projects within your community that uh, allow food to go to uh, some of the families and help support the continuous need of of our animals. Um, Christine, the other area of of a project that's near and dear to your heart is um, the churches with wildlife. Uh, Share with us some information about that.
2: Well, you know, I think... uh we've been talking for the past uh, 40 minutes now and, and the the subject of simplicity comes up you know simple choices this has come came up so much during our our call today and you know it's if, if we reflect just a moment on our own structures on the the actual building uh that we worship in for example um you know we, that building comes into contact on a regular basis with wildlife, whether it's rats or mice or bats or feral cats, um, birds of, of all types. And, you know, we can, again, going back to our choices, we can choose to do the quick um, and, you know, Cruel, cruel route, which would be to hire an exterminator to come in to, to kill the animals that are, um, I guess, imposing on your your home or your church structure. Um, or we can do a little bit of research and figure out how to humanely handle the wildlife that comes into contact with our buildings. And it can be a really fun and inspiring exercise for a church community. And it can be a great, um, it can be a great exercise for a youth group, for example. And we have a program called the Humane Backyard, and we encourage churches to ex- look into and research and explore all sorts of humane options for handling wildlife at, right there on your church ground and then for setting up a small plot of land, really small. It can be the size of your laptop computer. I mean, all you. so if you, if you attend an urban church, for example, Just the tiniest plot of dirt, for example, or just merely hanging a bird feeder, that can really inspire a community to take notice. Right because sometimes we don 't even we just don 't even notice the animals around us, um, and if you live in a, in a climate that 's cold, for example, in the wintertime, um, that can be the difference between life and death for a bird if you if you hang a bird feeder up um, so there are all sorts of humane ways to deal with um, wildlife that come into contact with our homes and our church structures, and we hope that you uh, go online explore those um those opportunities and sign up to take a pledge, um, the Humane Backyard Pledge, and then you'll get a a plaque that you can uh, hang up or uh, put in the dirt on your church plot and all sorts of resources. You'll also get um, a a subscription to Kind News for children. Uh, Kind News is a wonderful um, bi-monthly magazine for kids. And that can be a, a great way to look at some of these issues uh, during Sunday school, for example. So. Um, So, yeah, so the three programs that we encourage churches to get involved with are the uh, Fill the Bowl for companion animals. If, you know, your heart is really in caring for dogs and cats, and that's a great approach to take. Eating Mercifully is a documentary that looks on factory farms, and that's a great approach to consider food choices. And then Humane Backyard, if if your heart is really with wildlife. So there's so many opportunities to get involved. And
1: one of the things, uh Christine, that we did, um a few years ago we had a lot of birds that had made their homes in the gutters, the gutter system, the drainage system of our of our uh community. And so when we removed the gutters, um it was it was quite a, a an interesting time because the birds didn't want to leave. You know, they were like, what just happened? <laughs> you know, we right. came in one yes. day and our, our home was gone, you know, and, and I, I teased the congregation because in that same, near that same area, I had been teaching a class about being prosperous and being positive and, and all that. So anyway, I had asked a team of people, to look at what we could do because it was very obvious that the birds, um, they really liked living here. And so we came up with a bunch of, um, of the beautiful birdhouses that the kids had done in the past as well as had them do a few more. And they're on, um, they're throughout our grounds. And so it is the, it is the sweetest thing. Um, it's a great story. Um, The kids love it because we are teaching them how to really have a, a deep reverence for the animal kingdom and for all living creatures. And we have birds everywhere, and so I, you know, I always tease people and say that the birds were listening to that class, and they went from a gutter to a condominium lifestyle <laughs> in no time at all. Yes.
2: So. <laughs> yes. Yes, that's a wonderful example of of what mm-hmm. we can do, and fun and inspiring, I'm sure. Right. Absolutely,
1: absolutely. And the other thing that that we did that is a simple possibility for people to implement, is we started a a pet adoption ministry here um, on the Sundays that we're here. And we have um, uh, two Sundays that are for cats and two Sundays that are for dogs. And we bring the animals in. And we, since the beginning of the year, have adopted out um, 18 animals so far that have gone to their forever homes. And people love it. And the children help with that. And uh, we already have a couple of kids now that are saying one day they want to be uh, veterinarians. And uh, they're talking about the value of uh, loving the animals. And it's just really cool. You know, it's, um, it's well, just your,
2: meaningful. Your community is a wonderful example of, you know, of how to get involved. And so I, you know, I thank you. And, um, and, and you're absolutely right. It's, um, you know, when we cultivate compassion among um, our communities and with our children, um, that makes a better world not only for animals but for people too.
1: Yeah, because, it, it, you know, we are the adults now that we are supposed to be the role models and um, it, it's so evident and clear how it's so necessary for us to, to understand as spiritual people that there is a connection and, um, and there are so many animals that are helpless. And we are the ones that in many small ways can make um, such a difference. Well, uh, talk to us a little bit more about, about your organization and, and what can we do to all be a part of it. In other ways, or even elaborate on what we've already talked about, Christine. Sure,
2: sure. Well, um, you know, just quickly, the the Humane Society of the United, of the United States uh, is the nation's largest animal protection organization. And what's interesting is that our two prior CEOs were both clergy, and their leadership spanned thirty-five years. So that's more than half of the organization's. Uh, existence. We're approaching our 60th anniversary, and I think that fact really highlights the long-standing history of, uh, you know, religious leaders and their involvement in the animal protection movement. Um, you know, I, I often refer to a man of great faith, William Wilberforce. He was a British abolitionist um, and a you know a man of of deep an abiding faith, and he was uh, one of the founders of the uh, the SPCA in England, which was essentially the the beginning of the modern day animal protection movement. And he was among other clergy, um, you know, when they when they first formed the organization. And we see. Uh, threads of that throughout um, Christian history and, and certainly throughout other faiths. And, you know, we, I, can, I can probably list a number of um, key religious figures that many of us are very familiar with that have had, um, you know, significant involvement in the animal protection movement. Uh, C.S. Lewis, for example... Uh, he wrote Mere Christianity, is an inspiring figure for many. He was um, very concerned about animals throughout his entire life. And, you know, as you know, he wrote the Narnia series. And, you know, animals embodied a lot of of, um, great virtues, for example. Um, John Wesley, a key figure in the mainline Protestant movement. I mean, so many uh, key key faith leaders have been very involved in these issues. So um, this is nothing new. There's a, there's a great history there. And online we've got a, um, a religious database, really, of official statements issued by major denominations and traditions in this country on animals. So if you're curious about, for example, what the Catholic Church has ever said about animals or the Methodist Church or uh, what Hindu culture has to say about animals, um, what the three branches of Judaism have to say about animals, um, all of that is online um, on our online library. So if you go to humanesociety.org slash faith, there will be a, a link right there for our religious statements on animals. So I just I wanted to be sure that um, you know we we touched on that today that there's just there's a long-standing history of of religious and spiritual involvement in in the in these issues and so um, there's a lot of information there and a lot of uh, inspiring stories of what people have done in the past to help uh, reduce animal suffering.
1: And if you are um, an audience member and you are a teacher. Um, you work with the city council, um, wherever you are in these positions out in the field, just remember, even if you just, your takeaway is to remember that if 10% of the pet store animals were adopted through the Humane Society and other organizations, that we would eliminate so many of the issues that we have. But one of the, things that I will do as a, as a plea call to each and every one of you is don't hold back your values of how you feel about animals and pets because the children are listening and they will continue to model according to you. And Christine, I think one other time when we had spoken, um, I shared with you that my best day is when people come up to me and say, thank you, for changing the way that I think about animals and that I think about birds and wildlife sanctuaries and all those kind of things. I mean, to me, I feel like, okay, you know, those are the moments that you continue to kind of model what you really believe and people do pay attention, you know, over time. And so my hat goes off to you. And I just say thank you, Christine, for doing what you're doing. And if there's any way or a different way that I can be part of that, aside from having you on the show. We collaborate here, and we want to do more with the Humane Society here in the heart of St. Petersburg. But I just wanted to say thank you. for gr- well, Job well done, Christine. <laughs> job well wow. done. And it's been a pleasure to have you on the air. Everyone, please go to thehumanesociety.org and find out how, starting right away, you can become part of one of these tremendous projects. Thanks again, Christine. It has been my great pleasure to have you on the show today.
2: Thank you, Reverend Hayes.
1: Many blessings. We will talk again. Thank you, everyone, for joining our show today. And it's topics like these that really make a difference, that allow us to be part of a changing world by reaching people or by helping pets and animals whose world isn't changing Thank you so much for being part of this work. And may you continue to have a tremendous, tremendous day. God bless you, everyone.
0: Thank you for tuning into The Intentional Spirit, Seeing and Being with Reverend Temple Hayes. Join us every Wednesday at 1 p.m. Central for tools and simple applications which will support you from being alive to fully living. This program is brought to you in part by First Unity at Unity Campus in St. Petersburg, Florida. To learn more about this ministry, go to www.unitycampus.org or www.templehaze.org.
3: Saying to yourself, I'm going to focus on me starting Monday, or right after the holidays, or on my next birthday. Well, we are here to say, don't wait another moment. Your health is the most important gift you have for yourself and those you love. Start now to become a more vibrant, healthy human being. Take that critical first step and join us every Tuesday at 9 a.m. Central on Awaken to Your Best Health. Only on Unity Online Radio, the voice of an awakening world.
0: Things may happen around you.
2: Things may happen to you, but the only things that really count are the things that happen in you.
3: This meditative moment from Reverend Eric Butterworth is brought to you by Unity.